brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome, everybody, to Finding Hermes. As always, I hope you're ready to lay your cards on the table and go through the door with the god of the mind, because this, these are days of transition, the days of the crossroads, and the days where it seems reality itself is tricking us, and we know our mind is always tricking us, so we need to get on the good side of Mercury and all those other trickster gods. And uh, we are very happy to be joined by Jake Loco. Jake, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show. I don't know why I said we, like I'm important. I guess I'm used mm -hmm. to A on Bide when Vance is around. It's us in the archives, I, I am very honored to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Miguel. I just want to say really quickly, too, I've been listening to Aeon, Aeon Bite since 2018. That's the first time I ever really heard or understood what Gnosticism means. So I appreciate everything that you and Vance, the Moondog, have been doing. Really appreciate you guys. And I never thought I would be here speaking with you. So I love this opportunity. I'm really grateful for it. And I'm excited to get into uh, today's episode. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think uh, the audience might be wondering, well, gosh darn, what does this medieval poet have to do with addiction, recovery, wholeness, individuality? But I think we're going to find out that Dante's uh, message is, it's perennial, it's eternal. Mm. That's why he is Italy's most famous poet. That's why his poem still, you might say, gets clicks on the internet and mm. sells books and all that good stuff. But uh, how did you become interested in uh, this poem? or uh, the esoteric in general yeah so funny story uh for this particular poem with dante's inferno i did learn about it back when i was in college but i didn't really care about it and it kind of seemed like one of those propaganda texts that was that was meant to put the fear of god into people so i was like oh this is i'm gonna not pay much attention to this and my teacher at that time was also you could tell they weren't really into it they were just supposed to do it through the curriculum so it was kind of brushed to the side but uh, by trade, my day job, I'm a high school English teacher. And so I love talking about books. And I've always been into the gnosis that you can find within each text. Dante found me at school, at work. Uh, they were giving away free books. And Dante's Inferno was just sitting there, just the this, this single, this single book, uh, you know, book one of the three series, The Divine Comedy. And I picked it up. I was like, oh, I remember sleeping through class when we learn about this. Uh, you know, I'm older, wiser, a uh, little more experienced. And now that I've read through it again in its completion with some nice footnotes, I was able to show what the dark night of the soul or what the spiritual awakening could look like in this uh, Christian context. So it's very interesting. That's, that's how I found it. And just, of course, as, a, as an English teacher, I love chatting about books, like I said. So I'm Excited for you and I to dive into it and to see what we can pull out of the inferno and give to the listeners for their own personal journey. Exactly. Yeah, I remember checking the book out when I was like 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And of course, like everybody, I was really interested in the hell part because mm -hmm. as humans, we like darkness. Obviously, his inferno is still the most popular one. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a good thing about humanity that we're so attracted to the darkness, but maybe that's, that is a good thing, things we need to work on. Uh, but, uh, I didn't understand it and it would be many years later before I, I really delved into it. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, for the audience, why don't we start with Dante himself? How did he come 
too right or well, what happened to this 13, mm. 13th century poet that sent him to write this classic text? So the beginning of Dante's journey is very interesting and it's very relatable in terms of writing an allegory that people can like, oh yeah, I've gone through Dante's journey as well. Uh, but for him in particular, it's it stood out to me because Dante was essentially canceled. He was exiled from Florence. He was a victim of cancel culture and the corrupt Pope, the politician at, at that time, the, uh, the ruling class, if you will, did not really take a liking to Dante and, and Dante's views. So they canceled him, exiled him. So not only was he wandering the wilderness of the Italian peninsula by himself, but he was also disconnected from the love of his life, Beatrice. And in terms of what we're going to discuss today, I think it's important to point out Sophia and this Gnostic um, divine wisdom, this divine beauty. And basically, if you think about it like this, Dante was willing to go all the way down to, to hell and then back again just to reach Beatrice. So that's definitely worth noting. It's the greatest love story ever told, if you ask me. And uh, so, yeah, Dante was canceled. He was exiled. He was wandering alone by himself. And he's uh wakes up it's if you if you've ever seen that before before we start that probably a little bit more context to it Mm -hmm. uh yeah beatrice and sophia i've always felt the same thing but he never got together Mm -hmm. with beatrice she didn't answer his her his dms on twitter or anything Mm -hmm, like that he just he saw her publicly twice Mm -hmm. and then she passed away right right but he made a huge effect on his soul Mm. Yeah, Beatrice is absolutely one of those missed encounters, you know, the love that could have been but never was. So that makes it even more challenging for Dante to be alone and abandoned from civilization, essentially. And uh, now he's thinking about Beatrice. He's, again, another missed opportunity. His career has been ruined. His love life has been ruined. So he's in a very dark spot in the beginning, which is why it's so fascinating, because we've all been there at one point. This is his rock bottom. Except, ironically, he's going to go even further down than he can realize. Yeah, I mean, this is a perennial story, as I Mm. say. Whether it's Jung, who hit a depression and he went deep down Mm. to find his soul. Uh, Some people said when he had his Red Book experience, he actually had a gun by his table. Because he said, Mm -hmm. if this is too much, I'm going to end it. And yeah, the dark night of the soul, the mystery religion going down into Hades. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ, after he's crucified, he has to go down into hell and clean things up. It's a, a horrible, not a horrible journey. It's, uh, in a way, it's cleansing. It's necessary. Yes. And each one of us, at some point, we are going to have to go down mm-hmm. into hell. We're going to have to face uh, all our demons. Uh, Dante meets people that screwed him over in real mm-hmm. life. He meets mythological creatures. He meets uh, Christian figures. Everything he meets, he has to face. Mm-hmm. But at the other side of hell is, of course, what? Purgatory and then heaven. Yep. So the uh, thinking about the entire story in that three-part context is very interesting as well because we can tell Dante's in a very bad place, and he has to go through this dark night of the soul, this um, this dark period to reawaken into the divine light. And that's his... Whole, his whole journey going down into hell is the purpose is to become aware of his sins or his errors. And then in part two, when he's climbing the Mount of Purgatory, it's a very strenuous, long journey. Going up Purgatory is supposed to be all about renouncing those sins, getting clean or uh, you know becoming cleansed. And then, of course, the final destination is paradise. Dante can be reunited with Beatrice. So it was all worth it in the end because he had to be thrown into that trial by fire or trial by hellfire in order to reach Beatrice. So it was a necessary part of this whole process. Yeah, the journey inward, the journey to finding your soul, your true mm-hmm. soul, and everything in the past no longer matters. And like you said, mm-hmm. uh, nobody did cancel culture like the church in medieval times. Right. They pretty much, yeah. yeah, in Roman times, Greek times, you get killed or you get mm-hmm. exiled, but the church was like, you have the wrong thought or mm-hmm. you made the mistakes and you're just out into the gulags, if you would, of society. Absolutely. So, and he yeah, wrote it in Italian too, which tells mm-hmm. you that he was trying to make it accessible and go against the hoity-toity elite of uh, 
of where he was from, Florence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Thinking back to this uh, 2022 year, this is the 700th anniversary of Dante. The fact that this book was, or this poem was written in Italian as opposed to Latin, absolutely. Making this story accessible was a great act of rebellion in a way. And uh, just to finish your other point too, that you brought up, uh, you know, the cancel culture in the church. I mean, yeah, you, you could think back to Socrates or Christ himself and these figures who were um, canceled. And I, th- I think, you know, just the fact that cancel culture has become a popular phrase in these 2020s is really interesting to note. And so that's kind of where, how Dante arrives at this dark place. And it's um, as if he wakes up from a long bender and he realizes, okay, I'm by myself in the forest. I got nothing. I got nobody. What am I going to do? So that's where he meets his guide. Like when we brought up Young earlier, it's interesting to note Young and Philemon, right? The spirit guide. And that's where Virgil comes in. Virgil is Dante's spirit guide. He is the father figure sent by Beatrice. So he's an, an angel or a spirit sent to guide Dante through this journey. And without Virgil, Dante would not be able to go into this in the first place. Awesome. Yeah. And I think this is the importance of the active imagination, if Mm -hmm. you would. Uh, My best breakthroughs working with my Jungian advisor is creating these different characters Mm -hmm. and interacting with them, whether it's by writing, whether it's having conversation, stuff that children do naturally for Mm -hmm. their own health. And I've created this whole slew of characters with names and we have conversations and Mm. it's very healing. And like you said, Jung did it with Philemon. Mm. And later on, you find out it's really Simon Magus, the arch heretic and enemy of the church. But I think, yeah, the active imagination, this role playing because and people may say, well, that's kind of weird. It's like, no, I think when we understand the thoughts in our heads Mm. that all of us have every day, we are having these thoughts, these characters that come all to this is a way of formalizing and making it interactive and finding resolution because sometimes Mm. if you are in pain, you create this character and you can Mm -hmm. just say, all right. Mr. Anxiety, what's the problem? Let's work it out because we're 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 kind of taking the exactly, same place yeah. in this head. Yep. We got a life we're in to the live. Same boat. Yeah, tell me where this trauma is coming. Tell me what mm. I'm afraid of, and I, the ego, will work it out with you mm. slowly. Of course, with a prof, it always, it's always better with a professional, spiritual teacher, a priest, <laughs> or a young yep. man. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting to point out that these archetypes that Dante encounters, yeah, or the mythological creatures like Medusa and the Minotaur, and you know, they 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 all have their place within Dante's psyche or his spiritual ex- experience um, to represent these obstacles and these these hurdles that he must overcome while he's becoming aware of his errors in this first part, and then later to be able to renounce them and be cleansed and reach paradise. Um, so yeah, it's a process of confronting each of these figures, but also conversing with them. So that's what's cool about Virgil is that Virgil encourages Dante to stop and speak and have a conversation with these lost souls, these spirits who are sunken into the underworld so that Dante can learn something from him. And it's the the, the, the whole process is an educational experience that Dante, if he were to run through hell as as fast as humanly possible he would not have had the same experience so it's the fact that he's stopping to have a conversation with each of these people these these lost souls is really what gives him that trial by fire that he really needs in the end awesome no it makes perfect sense so why don't you jake why don't you take us down into hell sure if you would <laughs> yeah i'm sure you thought as a child you're like that's gonna be my dream i'm gonna take people on a guide down to hell but uh yeah tell us uh virgil comes mm-hmm. beatrice aka wisdom sends right. this avatar of him virgil who in real life dante really love uh mm-hmm. that's one thing people laugh about is Roman and Italian characters kind of get the best part, but like mm. Greek characters don't because as an Italian, he wasn't a fan of the Greeks. You know, the Romans thought that they came from Troy and all mm. this other stuff. <laughs> but anyway, so then Virgil takes him down to nine hells. Why don't you yep. take us on a tour guide and what sure, yeah, means let's, or what means to you? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just to state my intention, my goals, like I have nothing to sell here. 
I'm really hoping to encourage people to pick up this book for themselves and figure out what does hell look like for you, but more importantly, what does paradise look like for you? Because that's what we should keep in mind as we discuss this. Because I was apprehensive to begin reading this book because I didn't want to depress myself. The world was already crazy and I didn't want to drag myself down. But this this book has actually prop, propped me up in a way and helped me look up towards paradise and consider how to get there and what kind of challenges need to be um, overcome. So although people might be expecting me to go in order, I want to switch things up a bit and let people know that the the, the top three layers of hell, there's nine total realms, nine circles. The top three, I believe, are the most important because they're the lesser sins and they're more common to the common average person. Down at the way bottom, you'll find Satan or Lucifer or you'll find Judas. So those are characters who are caught in cycles of betrayal or violence. And I'd like to think optimistically, not many people are actually these characters down there who are treacherous, who are betraying their family and their friends and all that. So it's important to note, but you know, it just going from the bottom up, we have Lucifer and Judas. The really cool note to pick up on was the fact that the bottom of all the deepest depths of this inferno is covered in ice. You would think it would be fire, but mm-hmm. it's a frozen landscape and Lucifer and, and Judas are stuck. Like they literally can't move at all. They're stuck in the ice as if they were cemented there. And um, there's a plenty of great as above, so below uh, circumstances here where their behavior in the mortal realm and the earthly realm will mimic uh, their punishment down below. So these these two are stuck in a very unforgiving, freezing climate, and they. Uh, so we have these lower lower layers all about falsification, betrayal. Uh, basically, the the bottom section of hell deals with the fact that the the best way to hurt someone or to harm other people is either to lie to them and betray them, or to uh, actually use physical violence against them and selfishness, more consumption, overconsumption. Uh, you know, it's the sex, drugs, and rock and roll that I think we can all relate to. But I do want to stress this: that the bottom layers of hell are more of those rare. Uh, you could say like psychopathic people who end up there. So it's not like we can all relate to each layer of of hell, but it's those top three that really mean the most, um, especially when we're finding Hermes through these uh, experiences. So going up, we also have Sowers of Discord, which is really interesting because I'm sure throughout 2020, we've had bad actors or useful idiots who were literally put in a position to cause chaos just for the sake of chaos, right? I don't know if you've ever seen the Vikings show on History Channel, but they they have this moment where Ragnar Lothbrok is being executed and he's dropped into a pit of snakes. And that's what happens to thieves. Not saying Ragnar was a thief. I mean, you could think of him like that. He stole the land of the Saxons from them, but still it's uh, there's very interesting reptilian imagery there. And not only do the, the thieves rest in a pit of snakes, well, they're not resting, but you know, they're they're, they're dropped down there. They're entombed by these slithering snakes. And then they also become a reptile themselves. They transform, they transfigure. Um, again, as above, so below. That's that cold reptilian uh, thieving side of humanity that could be um, unleashed given the right circumstances. And just to put a pause. Oh, either for a that or yeah. maybe Dante was a precursor to David Icke and Alex mm. Jones, the lizard people. The lizard people. The first yeah. lizard people. They are down there, those reptilian overlords. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, as we go through these different circles, it's good to point out that one of the common themes that both Dante and Virgil will speak on is the fact that whether you refer to it as sin or error or human flaws, they all have one thing in in common, and that's they threaten human reason. So uh, morality, our ability to, to, to figure out what's right and what's not right, is clouded by this um, this this dark cloud of corruption. So that could be in many forms. In this lower level, it's all about being hypocritical or black blackmailing people, um, trying to manipulate people through fortune telling and tarot reading, uh, which things that I enjoy. But the whole point of these fortune tellers and these diviners is that they're trying to deceive people 
and manipulate them. And they walk around with their heads back, right? That yeah. They're always looking back. That's their punishment. Very interesting. Yep. They were trying to look forward their whole lives. They were trying to uh, help other people see what the future may have been, or they themselves were obsessed with what came next. And yeah, it's ironic. Now they're face backwards forever. They can never see what's ahead of them. And they were blinded by this uh, abuse of power through magic. Now, there's another thing I want to ask you, Miguel. It's really interesting because you brought up Simon Magus earlier. And there's a circle of hell reserved for the Simonite. Uh, Simon Magus. Simon yes. Simon yes. 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 Yeah, um, that's... Um, yeah. Oh, I can explain because I'm actually doing a uh, presentation on Simon oh, Magus soon. But... Um, in Acts of the Apostles, which is a Simon is over there casting spells and all that, that and the apostles have no problem in doing magic spells and all this weird mm. stuff. But and in fact, they they baptize them, mm. and then Simon is hanging out with the apostles or having a good time in Samaria. And uh, Simon sees Peter laying his hands on people's heads, and the Holy mm. Spirit comes down, and Simon's like. Whoa, uh, can I Venmo you or PayPal you some money for right. some of that Holy Spirit? Send some Bitcoin. Then, yeah, yeah. So, mm. so Peter then chews his ass out and says, mm. you cannot buy this shit. Mm -hmm. This is only for us. And the story ends with Simon kind of like all forlorn walking away mm. like, oh, whoa. Is now, obviously, this was a story meant to, uh, like with Mary Magdalene or the Apostle Thomas, you bring these characters in and then you marginalize, you make them small and weak like, doubting thomas or uh mary magdalene in the mm. 70s so they did that with simon magus who was the the leader of the gnostic movement mm. so later in the medieval times around when Dan dante is in the 13th century the church came with the idea of simony which is trying to buy your position in the church mm. trying to buy your position into heaven by giving money needless to say the church created this law that they didn't weren't exactly following if you know mm. what i mean so, right right so that's simony for you <laughs> yeah it's very it's crucial to see how dante was able to criticize society after being exiled himself and he was able to point out a lot of flaws in society like being able to, to pay to cleanse your sins you know that's it definitely goes against uh, all the teachings of of uh, christ if you ask me mm -hmm. So it's interesting to, to see him take that on. Um, a couple more I'll run through. the. Really, I will never be able to run through the whole story. We'll only scratch the surface, which is exciting for the listeners because they will have to go in and uh, fill in those gaps. But I do want to bring up, um, there's quite a lot of uh, connection to uh, both sexuality and sexual energy that it's interesting to point out in terms of overcoming addiction or recovery. And in one of these lower circles, there are um, people who are fraudulent and malicious, but there's also what's referred to as the seducers and the flatterers. And given what we just spoke about, people who are their human reason, their um, higher reason is clouded by this, um, this desire, this, this sinful behavior that prevents them from thinking clearly or from uh, feeling empathy for for others, so they are stuck in their own excrement. They are the flatterers and the seducers are both punished in these really horrible ways because they were people who were just nice to to others to get what they wanted, or for the seducers who are, and this is very symbolic here. They're being chased around by a horned a horned demon with a whip, and they're being. Mm -hmm whipped in a circle and these horn demons and we know horns have a very symbolic meaning we won't go into it now but the fact that they were technically they're being punished for getting a woman pregnant and then abandoning them and that's absolutely a great example of lust as opposed to like starting a a family being a strong father figure these these people who are stuck down here are uh absolutely um I guess you could say they deserve it. And it's interesting that Dante, as he travels down and down and down, he relates to the people on the upper circles because he starts to criticize and scorn these uh, dark souls. So it's cool to see Dante is developing throughout his, his journey. And he um, is responsible, according to Virgil, to pass judgment on these, um, these darker souls. Fascinating. Yeah, I know mm -hmm. that yeah, the top... 
layer of hell is with this sort of dreary place where all the noble pagans can be. Mm. They don't exactly get punished, but they can't get into heaven because Dante was still a practicing Roman Catholic and there mm. are rules. There are cosmic rules in his uh, mythology. So Virgil basically would have to go back and sit around with Socrates and all those guys. It's going to have a com- chill out for the rest of eternity. Although mm. it is interesting. I think in Paradiso, he does say that th- at the end of time, when time we run out of time and space, mm. Jesus will come and do a final judgment. Yes. So Jesus will probably make, according to none, he would make everything all right. This hell mm. and heaven and purgatory is not the true end of eternity, if you would. So, Unless he's uh, judging people on earth, but I think he'll judge everybody. Yeah, everywhere in the lower, lower regions of hell, they still have a second look or a second appraisal. And it's interesting to bring up Nietzsche because there's the idea of eternal recurrence, right? It's like if you could live your whole life over and over again, that Christ will return to give these people uh, a second opportunity. It's interesting because in the inferno is almost like the, the waiting room. It's not necessarily limbo or pur- purgatory, but it's uh, it's like a, a prison, if you put it in that Gnostic sense. It's the hollow earth prison planet that the souls are kept there until Christ can come down and be like, all right, well, you've gone through um, this horrible time for long enough. Like Maybe you're ready to go on to the next level. And it's Interesting that you bring that up. I kind of forgot about that, honestly. But yeah. And since as well, Miguel, you brought up the virtuous pagans. Let's go back up. So we have uh, Limbo. Uh, This is canto number four in the first first circle where Virgil and Dante, uh, like you said, they're hanging out with Plato, Socrates, Hippocrates. This is the threshold between the, uh, the, the lighter side of this underworld and then what they call the kingdom of eternal night. So in this area, the virtuous pagans are not necessarily bad people. Like we could say Hippocrates, the Hippocratic oath is definitely uh, a beneficial principle to apply in these strange times. Do no harm. Absolutely do no harm. Now, the interesting thing about this is that there is what we would call the uh, citadel of human reason. I believe it's what it's called. My notes got a little messed up here. But yeah, it's, there, there's an area in this underworld where the uh, collective intelligence of the philosophers from Greece and these uh, brilliant minds who weren't necessarily baptized in the same way as other Christians uh, could still reside. They could still enjoy themselves and converse with each other. Um, but they were still stuck in the underworld technically. But it's uh, a lesser lesser punishment they're just um you know they're they have a little bit of light but they're not totally out of the wood another thing that i brought up earlier which is good to revisit because it's such a powerful symbol is the second circle with in terms of addictions or habits back these people who are swept away by their lust or by their bestial desires are caught in a storm. It's really cool that Dante wrote in this metaphor or the symbol for a storm that cannot be tamed. Even if people adjust their sails, they can never master this great wind. They're being driven around by it left and right, up and down. And it really does show the fact that, let's say if you were addicted to pornography, there is a certain point in that addiction where you do lose control. And it's almost as if you're on autopilot. And that's what being caught in a storm would kind of be like. But whether it's um, pornography or some kind of substance, either way, this area, the carnal, is a great representation of when someone is in the grips of addiction and, and they're trying to pull themselves out of it, how difficult it can be to tame a storm, which uh, is nearly impossible unless you're you know, like manipulating the weather like in harp or something like that. Hmm. yeah and what what uh hell level is this again this is the second circle this is the area of the carnal and uh beyond this um well while dante's here he's speaking with this couple who you know they committed um sexual sin they were sent there and dante is so upset that he passes out 
it's really interesting that he loses consciousness because it's so traumatic for him. He he can relate to these people. He he loves Beatrice. He has the same um, animal nature. You know, he can't get rid of that, but he can see that he was also guilty of the same sin potentially. So well, he was married know. to another woman, mm-hmm, even right. though he never touched Beatrice or flirted with her in his head. She mm-hmm. was he was cheated because she was the one. Right. Yes. So he's going through that same mental process of, okay, I'm also guilty of this. That's, that's why he's, he's there. Essentially Virgil's leading him through his own, um, his own shadow side. And so just the fact that Dante loses consciousness is really interesting because if you're going to go through this experience and go through hell, like you wouldn't want to shut down. You would want to be here now and experiencing what you're going to experience. And so Dante is described as someone who swoons he loses consciousness. He's totally overwhelmed. Um, he hasn't yet integrated this shadow. And later on, after we go through the second circle, there's a really interesting area for the gluttons and the hoarders and the wasters. This would be the third and the fourth circles. And Virgil has a really interesting line here. So we have a lot of, you could say, hoarders. Hoarders who are trying to gather as much material as possible, whether that's like toilet paper in 2020 or any uh, oil, you know, whatever it might be, um, they are never satisfied. Even if they have a ton, like a whole pallet of toilet paper, they're still not satisfied. And that reminds me of, I'm sure you're familiar with this, Miguel, the abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So yeah, the uh, so Virgil comments on the fact that these people who are hoarding, they're trying to gather as much as humanly possible. He says that all the gold in the entire world could not offer one moment of relief to their exhaustion. It's interesting that he uses that word exhaustion too, because having all these things uh, like building a giant wall, it's still not giving them any relief and they're exhausted. They're weighed down by all their things. Just like when Tyler Durden would say, the things that you own end up owning you, right? Exactly, exactly. Very Gnostic. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. Uh, don't, uh, as I've learned late in my life, don't pray for money or having mm. this bill pay. Just abundance. Go into the abundance. energy. Yes, the, the universe or God will provide what you need when you need it. So absolutely, no need to hoard that toilet paper or really care if there's empty shelves at the store. There's, mm. there's plenty out there. There is plenty. So, yeah, I mean, uh, even as we do this interview, people are talking about scarcity, but what they just killed like 80 million birds because of some mm. bird flu. So there, there's right, plenty right. of food out there. Well, there's and- plenty to go around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an excellent point. And it's an excellent comparison, too, because there is almost like an unshakable anxiety that comes with the scarcity mindset. And that's what Dante is able to overcome just by witnessing what these people are going through. And besides the hoarders, there's also the wasters. And they are, well, because of their wastefulness, you know, they could be wasteful with material goods or they could be wasteful in relationships. And that could be, um, you know, taking people for granted or they were um, throwing away a good opportunity, burning bridges willy-nilly, not really thinking about the long-term consequences there. Um, And what's happening with them? Well, when you're very, very wasteful, What's happening to you is, well, there are a, uh, a group of, of people, the hoarders and the wasters, and they're butting heads. On one side, they're saying, why do you have so much stuff? And on the other side, they're saying, why do you use so much stuff? And they have the same problem. They feel like they don't have enough or that they're going to run out eventually. So let's use it while we can, use it all up. Um, what they're all lacking is moderation. And that's a great takeaway from the, from this section, whether you're Hoarding or wasting, um, it all has to do with using those resources wisely. Um, you don't want to run through them too quickly, but you don't want to hoard them and harm other people in the process as well. So there's a, there's a couple, couple good takeaways there. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 
91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Yeah, this timeless advice from Dante mm. being down in heaven. Absolutely. All right, please continue. Or uh, I guess the only question I would have, I think that there are fallen angels down mm-hmm. there. So there's yeah, let's, for yeah. the for the conspiracy theories. Yes, mm. the the watchers and the Nephilim are there if you want to go inspecting. Yes. It's and a really so, cool place because it's so eclectic. You've got mythological monsters, mm-hmm. Greek philosophers, fallen angels. I mean, Dante, he really puts together really almost Lord of the Rings kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Genius. Bringing together politics and mythology and all these different archetypes is fascinating. So when we're talking about the fallen angels and the rebellious angels, we arrive at the capital of hell, which is called Dis or Dis. Um, And just imagine the tower tarot card, this big, scary tower, and it's like stormy and it's the capital of hell. Like, what would you expect? You know, it's not not a very nice place. And before I talk about what happens to Dante here, I do want to bring up something really quick. In the beginning of the story, before Dante ever sets foot into the inferno, he is described as wilting like a flower. He has no no hope whatsoever. He's quite nihilistic, you could say. Uh, but through Virgil's inspiration and his motivation, he helps him open up like a flower would to receive sunlight or to receive divine wisdom. And this is a continual process that Dante at certain points will want to crawl up into the fetal position and give up. And it's Virgil who keeps him going. So in this case, there's a really interesting moment where Medusa comes in. And Medusa, of course, you cannot look her in the eye. It's some, something or someone that you literally need to avoid because if you confront them directly, uh, you, you're going to be turned into stone. So here's where Virgil and Dante start to in, in, encounter beings that overpower them. So Virgil only has so much power. He can only do so much to protect Dante. And the cool thing is that Virgil always uses language. There's never a fight. There's never like any violence. Virgil negotiates with these spirits just like if you're going through that death trip in an ayahuasca ceremony you might have some kind of guide who can help to negotiate with these dark spirits so that they can leave you alone and not uh torture you too much so yeah. uh, blizzard should create sort of a dante action game where you get to fight these bosses yeah, or, yeah, yeah. i guess doom the game is kind of like that and yeah it reminds me too. Also, uh, yeah, Virgil and Dante kind of remind me of uh, Frodo and Sam when they're down there in uh, Sauron's uh, domain, right? Uh, helping each other. And yeah, you mentioned he's lost hope, but in hell, there's that famous saying, isn't there? Abandon mm-hmm. ye hope, all who enter. Exactly, exactly. What did you think? Because that's a very famous line. So, like when you first heard that, abandon all hope, ye who enter. If we're thinking in in terms of like a spiritual awakening or um, getting sober, anything like that, what did you make of that that first message that Dante sees? Well, from my perspective, and this is a completely esoteric reading, I don't know Mm -hmm. what word he used in Italian or the context of 13th century Florence, but Mm -hmm. I always go back to when Zeus wanted to punish humanity. He sent Pandora, who's actually a robot, not a woman. Mm. And all in the in this, well, it's actually a jar. All these bad things come out, and right. I think even some monsters and people. I think one of them appears in Dante's Inferno. But mm. the last thing at the bottom is hope, and that's like mm. Zeus's last apocalyptic Armageddon weapon against humanity. And people are right. like, but it's. It's foolish hope. It's like, Mm. you know, when you're at the throes of your addiction or something, you're like, oh, gosh, I just want things to get better. Mm -hmm. But you don't want to do any work. You don't want to give your will to God. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that's what he meant is silly hope. They are shucks. Things will just get better. And we'll 2020 will get better if we just do what we're told. So I think when if you go to hell, I think, yeah, the last thing you want is hope. You got to have faith gnosis determination open-mindedness and listen to your your spirit guide (laughs) amen to that yeah absolutely like having hope would give this experience a start this journey you cannot turn around and change your perspective you 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 have to see it through all the way to the end you can't decide 
recovery or day 30. The fact is that it will involve a daily struggle, all that you put in paradise that we could imagine. Um, so in, in this, Virgil can really do, except ha- ask him to go and hide. And so Dante's safe over in the corner, hiding behind some rocks. Meanwhile, Virgil is incapable of defeating Medusa. It's just not, not possible. That's like David and Goliath, right? So what Virgil does, which is really interesting, is Virgil calls upon a heavenly messenger to come down and intervene. And whether it's to uh, defeat Medusa or to scare away all these other demons that are guarding this, this area of the uh, fifth and sixth circle, this heavenly messenger comes down with a bang. It's literally a giant, massive earthquake or a rumbling of thunder. And there's no, uh, you know, like I said, there's, there's no violence. There's no fighting. This angel who I kind of imagine just in my own head, like an archangel of Michael or the archangel Michael figure with a sword and all that comes down, causes this huge explosion of noise. And all the demons in that area are terrified and they run away. And now the, the path is open again. And it's, it's kind of cool to think about this, that, of course, Dante relies on Virgil for this guidance and this assistance. You know, like you got to ask for help. You have to be able to say that you have a problem and then f- seek out the guidance that's necessary. And even someone like Virgil, who is a spirit, who is granted these divine powers, still has to ask for help. There are still times when even all the power that you've been given or that you've um accumulated won't be enough and it's always important to seek out help whenever you feel stuck i think it's a good takeaway yeah definitely a very good takeaway too and that's something even in my recovery i'm still stubborn is just ask for help pick Mm -hmm. up a phone have a conversation there's so many ways yeah we we can't do it alone yeah yeah help can come in so many forms like you said a, a phone call or you know a quick text you can even send your friend a nice meme if you want you know that always <laughs> does the uh trick yeah uh, yeah so there's another interesting point on that when we talked about philemon or uh, virgil or certain rivers that must be crossed in hell these are other thresholds that uh dante cannot cross by himself in fact it's Virgil who has to negotiate once again with these ferrymen and they refuse. They say, I'm not taking a mortal human being on my, on my boat. Just no humans allowed or no, no mortals allowed basically. And again, it's really cool. The fact that Virgil is a poet. Dante is a poet as well. These two poets are using language to negotiate with darkness. And it's a very interesting symbolic or alchemical theme here that you don't have to defeat demons with your fists or with weapons. You can negotiate whether that's your your mindset or your faith and your prayer and your practices. These things will contribute to the removal of darkness or the transcending of darkness, uh, turning that lead into into gold, if you will. You know. Mm. Yeah, well said. Love it. Thank you. So as we move along, it's really interesting too because I personally have only read the Inferno. I'm going to next uh dive into purgatory and the uh paradise but for now it's really interesting to see um these themes develop like dante talks to these spirits these lost souls and some of them in the upper levels want to be remembered it's really interesting to to consider if you're on your deathbed at some point and you're thinking who's going to remember me who's going to show up to my funeral and rejoice in those men in those memories that we shared together. And for some of these souls, they beg Dante, please tell my story. Please pass on this message to the other mortals still out there who have time to reverse their ill behavior. But as you get lower and lower, and this is really interesting, as you get lower into the inferno, some of these souls don't want their story told at all. They are so ashamed of themselves that they want to hide away. And it's Interesting to think about, just like with Nietzsche's eternal recurrence. It's like, all right, if you would do this all over again for infinity, would you want other people uh, knowing about your your journey? And if if you don't, then what kinds of steps could could we take to make this journey? Like, you know, when people say make your mess your message, if we can embrace the fact that we're all we're all guilty of these uh, sins or these errors. And how can we tell our story in a way that would inspire people that 
would help people overcome their own personal darkness by sharing and by being open and vulnerable. And that's what's cool about this show. And particularly Finding Hermes is the fact that people put their cards on the table, like you said, and that's kind of what Dante's doing. He's laying all of his cards on the table, but he's also laying the cards of the collective, all of society. Uh, you know, no one's spared from these circles, even Plato and Socrates, people who might be considered virtuous are still down there in some in some fashion. Yeah, yeah. I, I know people don't want to talk about it, but uh, Mohammed is also there. So nobody mm. gets spared hell, basically. Except right. <laughs> now, to uh, to transition, because, oh, I, yeah, to, to transition uh, a bit into a different direction, I was curious if you would answer this question. Um, when we're thinking about the Inferno and this journey that we have to pass through, What's on the other side? Like when you imagine paradise, uh, what kinds of images or symbols or archetypes do you imagine uh, from your own perspective? That's a good question. I mean, as a kid, of course, growing up Roman Catholic, it was the whole clouds and angels and mm. harps, and it was dreadfully bored, boring. <laughs> uh, I was like, this can't be it. But I would say it's more of an experience. It's, mm. it's not visual. It's that sense of wholeness and mm. bliss and ecstasy and to be all where you just kind of extend everywhere and there's no real Miguel or Jake. Mm. I think that's what, if there was a paradise, that's what it right. would be. And of course, that sense of eternal empathy and love and the ability to, again, experience those who are gone. From our lives that you're like, okay, we can hang out again just briefly. Right. Yeah, it's really cool. There's a reunion with uh, those that we've lost, but there's also overall not necessarily a physical experience in our physical body, but having the phenomena of consciousness of being able to love and to feel joy or to feel connection to each other or to the source, to the God above God, if you like to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting to consider that because Dante, at many points, as we already talked about, wants to turn around and give it all up and go into the fetal position. But Virgil's <laughs> like, nope, you're here for a reason. There's no time to be nihilistic, my friend. You got to get through this. And this reminds me a lot of uh, what Jordan Peterson speaks about, the fact that hell might be a real place. Who knows? There might be an underworld or like a, you know, a, tar a Tartarian prison that we're sent to, like the the gulag of the underworld but <laughs> in, in in any case whether there's a physical hell or there's not we would create hell through our thoughts through our deeds and the whole point is we can create paradise too and it's nice mm -hmm. to uh imagine the fact that well yeah i mean to imagine what would be paradise and then that brings you one step closer to making that a reality and i'm, I'm glad that jordan peterson went into detail about that because you know, he would say things like, well, if you say things that make you feel weak, then you'll make yourself weaker. It's kind of that um, law of attraction sort of thinking. It's that you can, you can create paradise by intentionally putting out those positive thoughts, even in the face of such darkness or absurdity like we've seen throughout these 2020s, to stay on the path and not let the little things knock us off. What do you think? No, beautifully said. And I mean, uh, later on, the sort of uh, the Dante's other great competitor, Milton, in mm. Paradise Lost. Uh, what did he say? The mind is the mind is its own place. It can make a heaven out of hell and a hell out of heaven. <clears throat> in a way, we are projecting these things. And the Buddhists had thousands of hells, but there were temporal. There were places where you're just going to get your ass kicked, mm. and your karma sent you there. It reminds me, yeah, in Dante's hell, Lucifer falls and he actually creates this giant hole and ends up at the bottom. So it's right. kind of in our world and he's stuck there chewing on Judas for the eternity. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's all he does and bats his wings to freeze things to make the place as cold as Chicago or Connecticut. Yes. Sir. Uh, but it reminds me of... Uh, Neil Gaiman's uh, in mm. the Sandman um, mm. seasons of the mist. And they made the Lucifer show where mm. Lucifer like wakes up. He has his own gnosis and he wakes up and he says, wait a second, I don't have to do this. I, mm. I set myself here on purpose because of my stupidity and pride, mm. but I can walk away anytime I want. So he's closing hell and he sees like a tyrant and this tyrant's being punished horribly 
Hmm. And the tyrant's like, I was an evil person. I deserve to suffer this and that. And Lucifer's hmm. like, I'm not doing this to you. You're doing this. You can <laughs> walk out of here anytime you want. And the guy's mm. like, no, no, no. He's like, Lucifer's like, fine, suffer. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And shout out to Neil Gaiman. He's an incredible author. I really loved American Gods to put all those gods into these archetypes and characterize them in mm -hmm. that specific way. But yeah, no, it's absolutely. There's a, a mental component to all this. You can create uh, like a, a mental prison this matrix that you can build around prison for you know, your mind, like exactly, more exactly a prison for your mind. And welcome to the desert of the, the real in some, <laughs> in some cases, because you know, there, 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 there is one section. Um, we have the burning sand. So that's uh, absolutely a, a desert sort of uh, environment. And these are where those who are violent against God, nature and art reside on. Um, there's a great plain of burning sand. And it's a place just like the the very bottom in this icy layer that's totally sterile and unfertile. So it's almost as if people who are driven to um, act out of violence are unable to produce anything creative. They're stuck in this sterile landscape. And it's a good lesson to think about because when Dante encounters these these souls, whether they're blasphemers or um, they're, they're violence, they're practicing violence. Virgil recommends that Dante, quote, walk in reverence, meditating good and evil without descending down to join them. So that reminds me a lot of this shadow work where you have to confront those dark forces within you, consider those, those dark thoughts, uh, but don't let them consume you. And above all else, one of the other pieces of advice that Virgil gives Dante in this sterile, barren desert landscape is the fact that no matter where you are, you have to, quote, follow your gnosis available wherever you are, even in the darkest regions of hell. There's still a path that you have to find, that you have to follow. Um, and it, sometimes it comes down to listening to that little voice, whether it's Jiminy Cricket or Virgil, there's always, there's always some, some sort of guidance that we can access. And that's really what I believe. Yeah, no, well said. And I like how Dante is also saying uh, needless violence against animals and mistreating the environment nature mm -hmm. is frowned yeah. upon. So he's got a good holistic view of what it is to be a good human being. Mm. Yeah, it's as, as within, so without, right? The people who are abusing the environment and mm -hmm. in, in turn, they are now stuck in a place that abuses them. It's very, it's very fascinating. And I, I would say from a perspective of karma, it's a very psychedelic story as well, because if you have a set and setting that's arranged to give your experience a very positive and um, uh, beneficial out, outcome or journey or process, then that's, that's what you can get. Uh, but if you go into the experience uh, with a cloud of negativity hanging over you, then you're going to end up in a place like, like this, you know, a pretty dark place. So it's, it's very interesting that these people... Um, these these sinners, these uh, lost souls, are stuck in perpetuity of uh, whatever sin they committed on the earthly realm, and it's it's fascinating. I mean, like I said earlier, I can never go through the the whole text in one episode. I can only scratch the surface. But whatever we we pull out of it, um, I do believe it would be useful for anyone uh, who's curious about their own spiritual awakening, their process of gnosis, and finding out. Uh, what's down in the depths of their shadow, of their unconscious, and how do they relate to the collective in, in this regard? Oh, well said. And I think it all ends as uh, Dante's Inferno's ends. You're going to have to climb down the devil's ass. Right, he, is, right. he is you and you are him, the mm -hmm. ultimate shadow, the shadow of God, as Jung said. Uh, so tell us about the ending of Inferno, mm -hmm. which is kind of weird because Satan is sticking out from this lake of fire. He's got three mm. faces. He's chewing on uh, Judas, Jesus. Cassius, and Brutus. Because mm. again, right. being Italian, yeah, those Caesar. are the two yeah. great, two great traitors of Roman culture, if you mm -hmm. would. Absolutely. But then he what? He climbs up and down. That's the part I get a bit confused. Yeah, the ending is a bit strange. It almost feels anticlimactic, although it's kind of like when the season of your favorite show ends. Like they're just trying to set up the next season, which is this climb up to purgatory. But 
yes, uh, Dante has to maneuver through and around Lucifer and like climb down his, his legs. Yeah, he's, he's literally hands-on like, all right, this is the lowest level of hell and we have to um, literally become close and intimate with Lucifer in order to escape. And the really cool part about this, which I'm so happy that we were able to arrange this in the way that we did, Miguel, is the fact that Dante arranges this story around Easter, around the resurrection. Mm-hmm. So he enters hell on Good Friday, and towards the end, once he once he finally reaches paradise, it would be Easter Sunday. And it's really beautiful the fact like that Christ. Dante, yeah, yeah, just like Christ, there's a, a resurrection and a trial through fire, if you will, instead of a more of a crucifixion. Um, Very yeah. cool. But yeah, just on the, on that on that ending. Sorry, the the uh, the the first thing that Dante does once he escapes hell is he looks up at the stars, and it, it's just a beautiful conclusion to this journey. Again, he's looking up at his at his guides at the celestial um, landscape above him, and that's it was all worth it in the end to see those stars and to look at them in a much different way after going through all this. Yeah, very transformative. So mm. what an amazing story indeed. Uh, mm. I don't know else what we can cover. Again, there's so much of it. Are there any translations you uh, suggest or yeah, maybe documentaries yeah. or for those who want to deep mm. find their own uh, meaning from Dante? So the, uh, the, the copy that I was reading, which was full of great foot, foot notes, was from John Chiardi, John Chiardi. Um, C-I-A-R-D-I. He had a great collection of notes that really helped me understand. Uh, it's a pretty tricky, complex rhyme scheme. Um, so that was really helpful. The other thing is to keep it a little lighter, it might be it's called Hell and, and Back. It's got a bunch of great comedians. Uh, I believe it's like a claymation animation type oh. of film. And it's a really great cast of characters. Just think about if you've ever seen the South Park movie, they have Saddam Hussein and Satan like working together down in hell. It's kind of like that. It's that uh, cheesy dynamic where they have like the devils and they're uh, you know they're being manipulated by their their boss, the head honcho Satan. And it's a it's a cool take on the inferno itself. But I guess the uh, the thing I would want to the the thing I would want to leave people with is the fact that you can pick up this this book and read through it and kind of consider your your own journey through the inferno as you go through, but it's also Im- important, like we discussed, to look up and to consider where is this all leading to? Where is the paradise? What does paradise look like to you? How can you move closer towards it? And yes, sometimes you will have to pass through hell, maybe multiple times. Maybe you'll get through it and then you'll be sent back down there later in your life. You never know, but it's always uh, worth it in the end to have something valuable um, on the other side of in- Satan's asshole, as you can say. <laughs> <laughs> or as Churchill said, when you're going through hell, just keep going. There just keep going. Paradise. Yes, yep, you'll get to the other swimming. side. Mm-hmm. Great advice. And again, as I said, timeless, perennial. These mm-hmm. mystics and religious people have visions. They're all similar. They have parallels. It's all mm-hmm. about that inward journey to down into the darkness to find the treasures, as Joseph Campbell mm-hmm. said, go down and you'll meet the dragon, but you need to encounter the dragon if you want the treasure. So love that. Same as it ever was. So awesome. So Jake, where can people find out more about you? So uh thank you, Miguel. Yeah, I've I've got the Loco Listens podcast. I just started about a week ago. I've got five episodes out, and I do look forward to diving into more classic literature and un- uncovering these nice symbolic messages that we can get uh these bits of gnosis that we can come out of uh these experiences with so that's the loco listens podcast on spotify google apple i'm also on instagram at loco listens if you want to connect with me there and looking forward to diving into some more stories and some more shamanic experiences with these texts Bingo. Yes, it was a shamanistic experience Mm -hmm. with Dante Winter. You hit it on the head and a great way to end. And uh, well, Jake, thank you very much for coming on Finding Hermes and uh, good luck with all your journeys down into hell, purgatory Mm -hmm. or heaven. I'm sure we'll meet here and there. (laughs) Thank you so much, Miguel. It was an absolute honor. I'm looking forward to doing something like this again sometime.
Awesome. Well, take care. Thank you. Thank you. You know, my mother was an atheist. She used to say that there was good news and bad news about hell. The good news is hell is just the product of a morbid human imagination. The bad news is whatever humans can imagine, they can usually create. And there you have it, Jake Loco on some fascinating and insightful ideas on the perennially relevant Dante's Inferno. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're wondering what that clip was from, that was from uh, the recent and one of my favorite Gnostic-themed content. It's a TV series, Severance. I really enjoyed it, and uh, as I just mentioned, it's got powerful Gnostic themes, the ideas of remembering, uh, the ideas of um, fragmented realities, the technocratic archons. It's uh, amazing stuff, and I highly recommend it. Uh, Another uh, show that I really like recently, or it's actually a movie that I went to see, and that's Everything Everywhere at Once. Really amazing Gnostic theme uh, ideas and uh, does an excellent job with the concept of the multiverse. And between Severance and Everything Everywhere at Once, uh, my faith has been restored because, uh, yes, Gnosticism is very popular in culture today. But it hasn't been done very well. I was very disappointed with WandaVision, with Loki, uh, and the the idea how Marvel is doing the multiverse uh, needs a lot of help. So, But it's nice for these two shows. And uh, as you see from the clip, the idea of hell and how our imagination can create these hells on Earth, whether in our heads or in reality, is very important. And Dante seems to have known this. Obviously, a powerful theme of Dante's Inferno and this show, and I will keep banging the drum on this, is that for any sort of transformation in the present or transcendence in the future, we still got to deal with the past. I know that's not very popular with new age and modern religions, you know, that that past doesn't matter. But the truth is that it is very important. In the past is where we still, all of us, have a lot of trauma. We had a, we have a lot of issues that we need to integrate or resolve or find peace. Uh, there's a lot going on in the past, and there always is. And the past can be our personal past, our ancestral past, or even our, our cultural past. So the past is very important. That if we don't deal with the past, well... That's where the shadows are. That's where the demons are. That's where the archons are. That's where hell is. We must go into the underworld and find treasures and issues and battles that we still need to overcome. If not, it's hard to really operate spiritually or psychologically in the present. It's just a lot of baggage. And Dante's Inferno certainly uh, definitely uh, supports this. In fact, the more I study different uh, religions and psychological systems, the more I realize how important it is. I mean, whether it's ayahuasca, AA, Gnostic rituals, which I've been studying a lot, the mystery religions, the idea of having to go to the past, to the underworlds that we've overlooked, to hell, is very important. That's where we must face these dark gods, these demons, and also find uh, peace and serenity because there are angels and aeons there too. So keep that in mind. Go to the past. I mean, even Jesus, after he was crucified, he had to go down into hell for three days or two days or whatever before he could go up to the paradise. So in an important theme, and uh, Jake does a great job at showing us that theme and so many other themes and with Dante, Dante's poem, which is still very popular and, as I mentioned, very relevant. As you might be noticing, it's uh, been a while since my last Finding Hermes, and I do apologize. I think the last one I did was in uh, February, 
and um well a lot of things happened or did happen there were some guests that needed to reschedule there were some personal issues and uh the astronosis conference took a lot of the oxygen out of the out of the air but i will make it up to you and i will continue with finding hermes in fact the next show will be a sort of double feature I'll bring two very excellent guests and we will talk a lot or find out a lot about the themes of consciousness, manifesting, and yes, dealing with the past, dealing with those hells that we either create or we haven't faced yet that are still out there burning our asses and not allowing us to really embrace the mystery of life in the present and the transcendent promises of the future that Sophia offers. So stay tuned and I'll have that, uh, I'll keep, I'll have Finding Hermes for you uh, sooner rather than later. That's all I got right now. I don't want to take up too much time. I want to put some effort into Aeon Byte and finding Hermes content. So as always, I'm just going to say, I hope you have found that Gnosis to go through the doors you need to go through with Hermes. And yes, Hermes is a psychopomp like Virgil. Oh, we all have a Hermes, a Damon or a Virgil that could help us go through those doors. And if necessary, those doors might lead to another hell or they might lead to another realm. But we can go through those doors into new possibilities of who we are and what reality is. I also hope that you can lay your cards down on the table. And as Mary Magdalene says in Dialogue of the Savior and Joseph Campbell also said, to become transparent to the transcendent without the weight of the past and without those hells we create in our minds. Thank you. Mm -hmm.